Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball at the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations, got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the cloth and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go, Calvin. I see you celebrating here. I'm double fisting. <laughs> mm. Well, guys, it's official. The Golden State Warriors have won the 2022 NBA championship, beating the Boston Celtics today, 103-90. Steph Curry is named Finals MVP for the first time in his career, and Coach Kerr wins his ninth championship, making him only the second person of all time to win an NBA championship in four straight decades, which is absolutely ridiculous. Crazy. What up, Mike? What up, Ivan? Welcome in. Good to see you guys here. Yeah, Mike, we're going to talk about your Mavs a little bit later when we jump into Christian Wood. Great trade for you guys, by the way. But, uh, Calvin, first takes on the game. Uh, I mean. Can you see with those on? Barely. Okay. I'm, I'm trying here. What's up, Jeremiah? <laughs> My first takes on the game are, I mean, this game was a microcosm of the whole series of Boston's inefficiencies and problems all season long, their ability to lose leads, turn the ball over too many times, um, and just not be effective enough offensively. I mean, you got to give the Warriors credit. They're, they're a great defensive team. And Andrew Wiggins, again, was amazing for them tonight. And Gary Payton is also, I think, an unsung hero uh, for the Warriors as well defensively. Their ability to make Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum look like normal people out there instead of really, really good first-team all-NBA basketball players is one of the reasons why the Celtics lost this series. And, uh, you know, never underestimate the heart of a champion. That's why I'm kind of eating my humble pie here. <laughs> I picked the Celtics to win in seven games. I said they were the better team and never underestimate a champion. Yeah, not going to lie, I uh, picked the Warriors here, but uh, it was an easy pick for me. Uh, I totally agree with Jeremiah here. Uh, the Celts, Celtics' only chance was that down game by Steph Curry, and they totally missed a huge opportunity here. But, hey, they failed to score 100 points again. You mentioned turnovers, shooting percentage. Like, these things have haunted the Celtics all season long. Almost like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, right? Where at times they've looked like the most talented, unstoppable team in the NBA. They can put up points that, you know, plays the best defense in the NBA. And then at other times they look completely lost. Like in this game, they look so inexperienced in this game. It was incredible. And seeing Jason Tatum warming up before the game, he looked a little worried. And you remember right before the final started, I said, Jason Tatum looks a little worried. Maybe the stage is a little too big, too bright for him here in the finals. I think he gained a lot of valuable knowledge here this year. And hopefully the Celtics team can turn it around next season. But honestly, Calvin, if I were to relate this Celtics team to anything, and stick with me here, it would be my golf game. <laughs> and the reason that is, is because I'm not a great golfer, but I hit great shots sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes you hit a shot in the woods and then you decide to hit it out of the woods and all of a sudden it's an amazing shot and you made up for all the bad shots early on because you made it on the green. And that's exactly what the Celtics did in this series was they just they just kept turning the ball over too much and they tried to to make it to the green on their second shot to make up for all those inefficiencies uh shooting wise stuff like that and they just couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Um, they couldn't perform in the biggest moments 
they continued to just let leads slip away from them. Um, and then, yeah, again, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who they're great players. Uh, you know, I, I've spoken really, really highly of them in this postseason run. I'm going to continue to speak highly of them, even though they didn't play uh, as well as they needed to in this series for them to get the win. This was a great learning experience for them, like you said. This team's not going anywhere. They're very young. They're incredibly talented. Uh, they were hurt as well. You know, Robert Williams played this whole series, most the entire postseason, basically on a bum knee. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was really, really good for them. Getting blocks tonight. Getting blocks for sure tonight. So, look, this team is is not done by any stretch of the imagination. You've got to take lumps in the postseason to learn, to get over the hump, to win. It happens to everybody. Yep. Uh, you know, Jordan did win in his first finals appearance, but it took <coughs> Lucky. a lot of... Oh, wow. Okay. But it took him a long... <laughs> Uh, it was a very long and, and difficult road to get to that moment. So the, I feel the same way about the Celtics. They, they're not going anywhere. They're going to be a contender for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I also agree with Ivan and Mike here. The worst part about this entire thing is we're going to have to deal with these Warriors fans for the next year, <laughs> thinking that they are the greatest thing in the world. You have a good team. They've done an amazing job, but you're not part of it. You're just a fan. Oh man! And shots fired. Maybe these on, on that note. Maybe these will come back to haunt me because I know in the Kings, if they win a championship in my lifetime, I will be crazy. Of course, as you should be. And on that note, I want to give a special shout out to my boy Andrew Delello, back in San Francisco, California. Today is his birthday. He is a diehard Warriors fan. Shout out Andrew. This is the second time that the Warriors have won a championship on his birthday. Wow, man, that I. Couldn't ask for a better birthday in my life. So, and he's gotten it twice. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. I guess that's the luck in having a June birthday, right? Yeah. Too bad they don't win championships in August. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd be I'd be set. So, game six. I want to talk about Clay Thompson here a little bit because if I had any knock against the Warriors, it's going to be Clay Thompson. Didn't really show up in this game. Twelve points. I thought I was watching fake Clay out there, Calvin. <laughs> I saw fake Clay hit more shots during warm-up of last game than I saw Clay Thompson hit in this game. Yes, fake Clay was also the only player on the court when he was hitting those shots. But <laughs> um, you're right, Clay did struggle today, and he struggled, you know, uh, mightily. I would say he had some some great individual games, not just in this series, but in the previous series on their run to this title. But you know, I think it's it's safe to say you have to kind of temper expectations with him. Like mm-hmm. he, he came back and looked phenomenally good early on, or, or I should say in the middle of the season here, when he came back in January, he had a couple huge games where he scored 30, 40 points there, even towards the end of the season. But the playoffs are a different animal. And let's remember, this is a guy that before January hadn't played in almost a thousand days. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. You, you take that into account next year, he should be, you know, all things considered, more healthy or close, as close to 100% as he's been since before the injuries. So, uh, you know, I, I give him, not give him a pass, like he didn't play well, he didn't shoot well at all, but it, it's still Clay Thompson, and I, I think that he showed glimpses enough to make you think that he's not completely done. The question is, if you're the Warriors, is this still a guy that we can pay $40 million a year moving forward? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I love Clay. The only reason I bring it up is because everyone's like, Game 6, Clay, he's going to come in here and have 40 points. It didn't happen. But the Warriors and they still didn't won. need it. The Warriors still won a championship. So congratulations to them. I got to say, Calvin, you know, you picked the Celtics. I picked the Warriors. I didn't pick them because I was rooting for them. I don't really root for either of these teams. I was just happy to see basketball. However, in this game, I was rooting for the Celtics. And the reason why, is a little selfish, is I wanted to see a game seven. Sure. And you know another guy that wanted to see a game seven, Adam Silver, because he's in COVID (laughs) protocols (laughs) and was not able to hand over the trophy, which I thought was Pretty funny. And you know, the deputy commissioner, Mark Tatum, did you see the smile he had on his face? He's like, I will never, ever get to do this again unless something happens to Adam Silver and I am back. Um, But amazing performance from the Warriors. I do have to say some frustrating calls from the referees. Uh, 
I was very frustrated with all the fouls. I think Draymond Green should have fouled out in this game. He only had one personal foul in this game. And the dude was super aggressive. He was. Ridiculous, Calvin. He was. Ridiculous. I, I mean, both teams were aggressive. It, it was physical. I mean, it's an elimination game in the NBA Finals. You, you kind of have to expect that. That's true. That's true. Magic Johnson was calling a triple-double for Draymond Green, and he, he almost came very close. got it. He came very close. 12 rebounds, 8 assists, 12 points. Five turnovers for him. But the Warriors win. Still probably his best win. game of the series, though. Oh, yeah, by far. By far. So let's talk a little bit about Steph Curry. First finals MVP from him. I had an interesting debate with uh, Ethan before the game. For some reason, Ethan just seems to hate point guards. And I called him out on this. I was like, Ethan, why do you hate point guards so much? You're so negative about De'Aaron Fox, and now you're negative about Steph Curry. And you know what he says to me? Hmm. What are you talking about? I love point guards. I love Russell Westbrook. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Hold on there, Ethan. I think Ethan just hates great players. He also hates Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, he thinks that Cam Newton is the worst football player of all time. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about Steph Curry. What did you see from him in this series? And uh, did he deserve finals MVP? Or are you rocking with Ethan, and it's uh, Andrew Wiggins' award? Because Wiggins played incredibly well also. Well, look, I think both of them are deserving of finals MVP. Andrew Wiggins, to me, was, I mean, as ev he was quintessential or, or so uh, instrumental in everything that the Warriors did this season and in this run to a championship. Um, you know, there aren't many guys in the league that, that do what he does on a nightly basis. Not only is he one of, he, he could be their go-to scoring option if they didn't have Steph Curry on this team. And he also draws the toughest defensive assignment on the team every night. Very and true. he made Jason Tatum look pedestrian today. Yep. Forced him into so many turnovers. Uh, I mean, his, his, uh, he was always in the right spot. He moves his feet so, so well. And I, I'm really happy for Andrew Wiggins because you know, it's tough to live up to the number one draft pick, especially when your first couple of seasons don't go very well. Yeah, and LeBron and, trades you to Minnesota. And LeBron <laughs> trades you to Minnesota, <laughs> which we all know that's where dreams go to die, right? Minnesota. Yeah. And so I, I'm really happy for Andrew Wiggins, who I've always thought is a very, very fine player, and I'm happy that people are starting to actually give him the recognition for that now. All right, enough Andrew Wiggins. Back to Steph Curry. What did you oh, see from I him? I mean, Steph is amazing. Like, yeah. he's just amazing. You know, a lot of people, myself included, have compared Jordan Poole to Steph Curry at times this season. But Steph is just on another level, man. Like, yes, he's the greatest shooter of all time, and you, you can't take that away from him. But to me, he's so much more than that. I've, there's very few guards that have the ability to finish at the rim over big people, big players like he does. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest difference right now, aside from defense, which we won't go into, but that's the biggest difference for me between Steph and Jordan Poole right now. You saw Jordan Poole. Yes, he has a couple plays where he gets to the basket and scores, but he routinely gets his shot challenged or blocked when he tries to, to finish inside against a bigger player that he has an advantage on from the perimeter. That rarely happens to Steph, and the number one reason for that is body control. Jordan Poole still doesn't have that body control to be able to take and absorb a hit and put himself in the position to get a shot off. He'll learn that. Maybe he needs to you know, work on his body as well, but Steph is, is just an amazing player, and, and as bad as he was defensively when he first came into the league, he's not an all-NBA defensive player right now, but he is light years ahead of where he used to be. Definitely. He used to be a doormat. Like, you, you could get by him at will. Yep. And now, even when he switches on to guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, he doesn't usually stop them, or, or, you know, more times than not, he won't stop them. But he moves his feet well enough to stay in a position that he, he can actually make a challenge on the shot. <laughs> I give him all the credit in the world for a guy that, uh, you know, Early on in his career, a lot of people thought maybe he won't even play anymore because of injuries. Now we're talking about him as one of the 10 greatest players ever. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Steph Curry. 
It's interesting. I feel like I'm having a, a podcast with myself because all I can do is see myself <laughs> in your glasses. To anybody that's listening on the podcast right now, Calvin is wearing some ski goggles. I'll, I'll take he them is off. Celebrating with champagne. I am. And uh, now he just took them off, and he can see his computer screen and me, and and uh, he's back. <laughs> I want to talk about two plays late in the game. Both involving Steph Curry and both actually involving Al Horford. You saw that play really, really late in the game where Curry, uh, how Al Horford had Curry up at the three-point line and Curry just blows right past him, goes to the to the bucket. It was either the play directly before that or after that where Al Horford gets the ball down low. Steph Curry's on him, yeah. mouse in the house. Right. Steph Curry intentionally fouls him. Yes. And Al Horford scoops it up, makes it. Obviously, the foul was before the shot, so it didn't count. I want to hear your thoughts on that because calls like that, the ability to do something like that, for me, is not a basketball play. And that ruins the game because if you're a big man, your advantage down low when you have a small guy is that you can go over them. And if they can just foul you, he didn't even get free throws. Right. I mean, I, I understand they weren't in the bonus and all this, but that needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, I agree. I've never been a fan of the intentional foul. Um, you know, it's the reason why the hack-a-shack was invented and, and all that. Um, so it, it's it's difficult for me because that wasn't necessarily a, like, um, I'm just trying to foul Shaq. The ball is, like, you know, 94 feet away on the other end of the court, but we're yep. still fouling Shaq because yep. we want him to shoot free throws. Not yep. the same situation there. But I agree with you. An intentional foul is not a basketball play. And I think it was and like it, a And it nine, does give a team an advantage. Like in It was that a nine instant. or a ten-point game at that yeah. point. Like in, that in was that huge. When they don't get free throws or an and one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, that's a, a big deal. And then it turned, they end up inbounding the ball, turn it over, and then yep. Steph Curry goes to the basket. And that was the turning point in the game for me at the very end. Not that... <laughs> You know, they were down for quite a while, but they were making a run late in the they late were. in the third quarter and a little bit in the fourth. And I'm like, okay, single digits now. Something's happening. And that completely killed it. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think Boston has them only themselves to blame. Uh, Definitely. The, the turnovers were just ridiculous. In, in fact, now that I've got my goggles off and I can see, I'm going to read off some stats here. Uh, so rebounds particularly offensive rebounds and turnovers are the two most important statistics for me in this series it's how the Warriors gained such an advantage and especially in the final three games of the series which were all Warrior wins Mm -hmm. so for the total series the number the rebounding numbers are actually pretty close Golden State edges them out by one on the offensive glass and by seven total for the for the whole series but turnovers are much much different story 83 total turnovers in this series for Golden State, 101 total turnovers for the Boston Celtics. But when you look at the final three games where the Warriors took control of this series, the numbers are even more glaring. It's a plus five uh, advantage on the offensive glass for the Warriors and a 146 to 122 total advantage in rebounds. But the turnovers, again, are where it really becomes crazy. 40 turnovers in those final three games for the Warriors, 57 for Boston, wow! You, you can't beat a team as good as Golden State putting up those numbers. No. You, you simply cannot. And not shooting forty percent from the field. Well, that doesn't hurt, help either. But yep. giving an, a team that's that good that many extra possessions with a minus seventeen turnover differential in the last three games, you have no shot. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Jason Tatum not having the greatest game, only 13 points for him tonight, as opposed to 34 from Jalen Brown. Uh, It's interesting, Calvin, you know, we've had this constant discussion about who's a better player, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I think we were both in agreement that Jason Tatum was the guy. You look here at just the numbers here from the finals. Jalen Brown blows Jason Tatum out of the water. Yes, that's true. But again, you have to take into context what's happening in the game. It, it's not just that Jalen Brown, he showed up. He played very well. I don't want to take anything away from him. But when you look at at what they had to go against for the entire series, Jason Tatum had Andrew Wiggins on him for pretty much the whole series. Yep. Jalen Brown, after game one, we were sitting here saying, the Celtics have to go with Jalen Brown at Clay Thompson all day. Like That's a big, big advantage for them right now. Mm-hmm. Now, the Warriors did a good job of adjusting. They didn't just leave Clay Thompson on Jalen Brown the whole time. And in fact, Gary Payton 
comes in and guards Jalen Brown for big minutes yep. and forces him into some really bad plays, a lot of turnovers. But for the entire series, it's not even close as to who had the more difficult matchup. It, it's Jason Tatum. For sure. Now, I, I'm saying he needs to play better, and he needs to learn from this experience, and I think he will because he's a great player. Yep. But, again, it's not – you can't just necessarily look at the numbers for yeah. the answer. Yeah, very true, very true. <laughs> Another number that really stuck out to me in this game, only five points off the bench for the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Not a lot. Not a lot at all. The Warriors' depth really came through for them in this series. And it wasn't necessarily guys scoring. You know, Gary Payton is a great example of that. Didn't put up very many points in this series. Tallest 6'4 guy in the league. according to Steph. (laughs) I mean, he's just so good at everything else. He moves without the ball so well. Uh, He's always in the right place. He's a phenomenal rebounder for a guy his size. And he's an amazing defender that can guard up and guard like players like Jalen Brown who have a big height advantage on him. helps when you're t- you've been playing with your dad. Well, yes, I mean, your whole yeah, life. It, but the it, Apple didn't fall far from the tree, but yep. just a very, very important uh, player for them. I think they showed five players on this Golden State Warriors team whose parents played in the NBA, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, if you look across the league, that, yeah. that's just where we're at at this point. You know, all these guys, kids are are big time players. Yep. Yep, genetics are a huge advantage in the NBA. I don't want to talk about this too much here because I think on tomorrow's show we're going to dive a little bit deeper in, but you and I talked about Boston having issues scoring. What's one thing that the Celtics can do this offseason to help make it back to the finals or to make them a championship favorite next season? They've got to improve their bench. I I think it's plain and simple to me. I I love the starting lineup. They're the best defensive team in the league. They have offensive firepower. They've got two really, really bright, shining stars, uh, you know, as a Batman and Robin-type combo. And uh, they've got the Defensive Player of the Year. But to me, it's bench production. That, that They needed that extra help, like the Warriors got from all of their guys. Um, they, that will be the difference for them to be a more well-rounded team and, and give them an opportunity when guys are struggling, like Tatum, like Brown, turning the ball over, things like that. They can rely on somebody else. Uh, And I know that we've discussed in the past on this show, should the Celtics go out and get another point guard? Again, I like their starting lineup. I think they should continue to roll with that. Mm -hmm. Marcus Smart, to me, I think needs to become more of a ball-dominant guy. Not all the time for them, but they need him as a safety valve in certain situations like they got themselves into tonight where Tatum and Brown just put their heads down and go and and they end up turning the ball over, dribbling it off their legs at times. You know, it doesn't look pretty. But here's a name that I'm going to throw out for you as a guy that could come off the bench for them as a point guard. He used to play in Boston, too. Okay. Rajon Rondo. Yep. I think he would be perfect for this team. I think I mentioned him a couple of days ago. I think yeah. he would be ideal. Uh, I think this team needs a legit six man. And I, I like the Rondo addition. Oh, uh, yeah, they need but, more than that. But you're yeah, right. But they need, they need more, somebody they need a better that can score, get a go-to 15 yeah. points yeah, yeah, yeah. a game. Yep. I think Derek White has been that guy for them. Obviously, he didn't play well in this game, only two points tonight. Uh, Mike says Jalen Brunson. That would be... A home run. He could I, I don't be. know if you're going to be able to sign him for a deal that makes you comfortable bringing him off the bench. I mean, if they are, then that's great. And if he's okay with continuing that role, then that's cool too. Um, and maybe, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't start him over Marcus Smart, though. That, that would be tough. But if the Celtics could pull that off and have him come off the bench, that would be a home run for sure. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think he would be a home run addition for them. All right, so as I mentioned, we're going to be going over what the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors can do to improve their rosters next season on tomorrow's show. But real quick, before we jump into that, I just want to hear your thoughts, Calvin. We've talked about the luxury tax before. I'm just looking here at the numbers. This Golden State Warriors team is ranked number one in the NBA in how much money they're paying their players. $184 million. They're number one. 
The number two ranked two is the uh, Brooklyn Nets at 172 million. Then it drops off a little bit to 166 for the Clippers, 165 for the Timberwolves, the Bucks, 161, 160 for the Lakers. I'm looking here for the Boston Celtics. They're pretty far down this list at 134 million. Uh, they're number 19 on this list. What are your thoughts as as regards to what the Warriors are able to do? how they're able to pay all these players, and whether this affects the competitive balance of the NBA. Well, um, I, to start, I would say the, the, the rules that the NBA has put in place over the years were rules that were exactly meant to uh, negate this or, or combat this. The, the problem is if you've got enough money, and you're willing to spend into the tax, then you can do that. That's allowed right yeah. now. So, you know, you can argue that the the Warriors bought a championship or whatever, but look, they they had the money to spend and they spent it. So, and and they also committed to this well before this season. Like th- this isn't something. This isn't like baseball where every off season you're like. Oh, the the Dodgers and the Yankees just went out and they spent you know uh, two hundred yeah. million dollars in one summer and now they're expected to win the championship. They've been doing this for a long time. They've built this. Mm-hmm. They've built a dynasty. So as far as it relates to competitive balance, you're going to continue to hear this come up as we get closer and closer to the new CBA. That's one of the bigger issues I think that the owners and the players are, are going to grapple with because of what you just said, competitive balance. Now. As it relates to the the whole league, this affects it definitely. But I think competitive balance in the NBA is already distorted, and that's because there are so many teams. Um, You just don't see, especially with the new era of free agency and and player empowerment and all this stuff, super teams, guys, you know, refusing to play in certain places to go team up with Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. um, That's a separate issue. And the the fact that we're talking about adding teams to the NBA is only going to distort that competitive balance even further. Yeah. The, the, the level of uh, talent in the league is higher than it's ever been. But even as that continues to grow, you know, as you add more and more roster spots, there's only so much talent, that high-level talent that can be evenly dispersed throughout all 30 or 32 teams, whatever it is. Yeah, I agree. I'm a little mixed on this subject, and and the reason I say that is because the Warriors, I consider them a big market team. They're in San Francisco now, all this stuff. But for a long time, they weren't considered a big market team, right? They're in Oakland. And the last few CBAs were targeting how to improve small market teams, how to make sure the teams are able to retain players that they draft. Yeah. And honestly, you look at this Warriors roster, they drafted, they drafted almost 90% of these players, <laughs> yeah. right? But I guess the only problem that I have, and it's not even so much of a problem, but just a... Um, Something I see, and I want to give a shout-out to Bob Myers real quick before I say anything, because Bob Myers, I think, is the best GM in basketball, and he's done a fantastic job building this team. But when you're able to have a guy wait, like a Clay Thompson or a Steph Curry, wait to re-sign so that you can go out and sign a max player like Kevin Durant, and then... Kevin does his thing, and then when he's ready to leave, when you're able to sign and trade him to another team and bring in more talent to go over the salary cap for a player that you didn't draft and sign and trade a player that you didn't draft to bring in a guy like D'Angelo Russell, which then you go ahead and and in turn trade for a former number one overall pick in Andrew Wiggins, that seems like it stacks the deck a little bit. I'm not sure exactly if... More rules need to be made, and I hate rules. I'm not a rule guy, but it just seems a little unfair when you're able to go out, sign a big-name player, and then when they're ready to move on, you can just sign and trade them or facilitate a deal to wherever they want to go, and the player is encouraged to do a sign-and-trade because you can pay them more. Uh-huh. And uh, So are you saying get rid of the sign-and-trade rule? I don't know if I'm I'm saying get rid of sign and trade, but I'm saying maybe there should be some stipulations based on whether like you drafted that player or not, because I think the main 
thing that they were trying to do was help teams retain players that they drafted, right? Right. Bird rights that they have exactly. implemented stuff exactly. like that over the years. But the fact that they did not draft Kevin Durant and they signed him in free agency, and then by the time he was ready to leave, they were already way over the salary cap. Yeah. And they were able to bring in a guy like D'Angelo Russell when they were already over the salary cap using the sign-and-trade seems like it's a little bit of a workaround. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I just see it as a team that that made some really incredible moves. Like and, they, and some they, luck. It, well, of course, but yep. you don't get you don't win a championship without a little luck. That's true. Every team that's ever won a title has had a little luck involved. Yeah, definitely. Maybe even more than a little luck, like you could argue in a lot of cases. So it's, I mean, they, they reached a level competitive-wise where a player of Kevin Durant's caliber wanted to come to the team. They were they paid the money to get him. Uh, I mean, it's... But they would have been over the salary cap and they wouldn't have been able to sign Kevin Durant if I think it was Clay Thompson didn't wait to re-sign until after they signed Kevin Durant because they were able to re-sign Clay after they were over the cap. It's the same thing as Tom Brady restructuring his contract every year so that they can go out and sign other players. Like, I I don't see how you can eliminate that from the game. Yeah, I I don't know if there's a way. It's just something that I've noticed, and I I think that uh, that's not what the rules were created for. But a harder cap, maybe, or a harder tax a luxury something like that yeah you know because you know the salary cap the luxury tax it doesn't affect the warriors they don't care they just built a brand new arena and they're printing money basically i think that's a quote from them right is they're like the new chase center is basically printing money for us we talked about the average ticket sales going to the finals it's absolutely ridiculous so it doesn't matter if their salary cap or their luxury tax is $100, dollars $300 million. They don't care as long as they're still winning games. And well, again, and that's another point that we brought up here. Everybody has, every owner, every individual person with money has a limit, right? Yeah. Like, those Chase Center might be printing money, but you, you can't spend an infinite amount in for one team. Like, yeah, so. You keep winning championships. I, I, under- keep I understand why why people are why people hate the Warriors. Like it's, but again, if you win, you're going to be hated by everybody yeah. except your fan base. Everybody that loses. everybody hated Jordan in the '90s because they won all the time. Everybody yep. hated Kobe and Shaq in the early 2000s because they won all the time. Um, I agree with you that the league needs to continue to look at this stuff as time goes on. You know, you, you want to address competitive balance in your league and give small market teams make not more of an advantage, but create less of a disadvantage for them. Yeah. Um, but I also think there are certain situations where it's, it's not that they're cheating or, or they're, they're not breaking any rules. Like they're paying the money. No, no, I agree. I I just think that, the rules were created for something other than what they're trying to do. And it's not cheating. It's not, it's, it's finding not even a loophole. It's just finding a way to exercise the gray areas. And that's exactly what they've done. And I think it's they've done an amazing job. They have. It. It's also having the, the awareness and the, yep. the wherewithal and the smarts to be able to execute moves while you're down yep. your, your two best players, your three best players who are all hurt to put yourself in a position yep. for this very moment to get back to the mountaintop. Yeah. Like and you go not, from not all, even if you are given all the resources in the world, you have all the money, um, you, you have great players, you have assets, all that stuff. There are plenty of GMs out there that wouldn't have executed the way yep. that the Warriors executed to keep themselves in this position. Ask the New York Knicks and yep. James Dolan, yep. all the money in the world. And they actually wanted Steph Curry, but he got taken one pick early uh, shout out to everybody that's not a Kings fan and why these other teams need to trade up to pick four for Sacramento's <laughs> pick. So somebody doesn't leapfrog you and take uh, Jaden Ivey. Just looking here at the roster, I mean, you got Curry locked up long term. You got two more years for Clay Thompson, another year for Wiggins, two more for Draymond Green, and then a bunch of cap space and a bunch of, of rookies or young guys. Yeah. This team is looking absolutely incredible for next season. 
We'll see what the addition of James Wiseman does for this team. Shout out to guys like Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody winning a championship your first year. I think the Warriors definitely need to try and find a way to bring back Kevon Looney or Kevin Looney, as Mike calls him. <laughs> um, and then Jordan Poole's got one year left on this deal before he gets paid. I also want to give a shout out to Nemanja Bilica, first championship, ex-king. Didn't play much, but I, I, I love him, man. He's a great player. So shout out to him. Mike, I want to hear your take on the whole competitive balance thing because your Dallas Mavericks owner uh, has quite a bit of money as well. So uh, I want to I want to hear your your take. All right, Calvin. Anything else to mention about this? I'm sure we're going to be talking about this game, oh, yeah. this series for the next probably week or so. Anything else you want to mention before we move on to this Christian I, Wood I news? I think this is a great segue right here into. Since you just asked Mike for his his answer for Mark Cuban's competitive balance okay. in the league, we can talk about Dallas now. All right, talking about segues and not the ones you ride on, the Dallas Mavericks have officially acquired Christian Wood from the Houston Rockets. What the hell are the Houston Rockets doing? <laughs> Dallas Mavericks trade pick number 26, Boban, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, Sacramento native, and Sterling Brown to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Christian Wood, and I think a late pick. 26th um, overall. This trade cannot be uh, uh, official until the draft because they owe another pick, I think, the following year, and they can't trade uh, consecutive picks. But uh, pretty crazy, Calvin. What do you think about this deal? This is a fantastic deal for the Dallas Mavericks. Like, I'm not sure there's a better trade out there for them right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they certainly they could have traded for, you know, a, a multiple all-star or even a Hall of Fame type player. Um, but there were, uh, there's been a bunch of stuff written since the Mavericks were eliminated about what their offseason was going to look like because a lot of people after – they lost to the Warriors, the first instinct, and I even had it myself, was Luka needs more help, right? Like, yep. they have to go out 100%. and get another uh, all-star to pair him with or, mm -hmm. or a, a running mate, basically. But analytics guys are, are looking at the Dallas Mavericks a little bit differently. They're, the the reason this team was built this way is because of, of how Luka plays, how great he is, but also his style. And it's about not necessarily finding another star to play with him mm -hmm. because we saw that didn't work with Porzingis uh, and, you know, various other uh, things that they've tried. But instead, it was more let's just put the right type of player around him. Doesn't have to be a star player, and we're going to win regardless. Christian Wood is definitely an upgrade talent-wise from just about every other player they've got on this team. Yep. So they definitely improved talent-wise with this move. But he's one of those guys that isn't necessarily a superstar in this league, and he, he also just fits what this team wants to do. Mm -hmm. He's a stretch big, not, the, not like an all-NBA defensive player yet, but, or, or known as like a serious rim protector or anything, but he gives them an upgrade at a position that they needed, center. Dwight Powell was an Ironman for them and, and played really, really well at times, but let's be real, you, he doesn't shoot it from three and you're not throwing it to him in the post either. Yep, yep. You can do that with Christian Wood. He can also Beast. play Beast. the style that this team plays, stretching the floor, pick and roll with Luka. That pick and pop game is going to be super deadly. So I, I love this move, especially considering they didn't really have to give up anything to get him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Asha. Boban is no <laughs> longer with the Mavericks. She was devastated. But, uh, yeah, this is an absolute home run for the Dallas Mavericks. They basically traded Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and a bag of <laughs> chips for Christian Wood here. Uh, this is a great trade for the Dallas Mavericks, a great trade. What do you think this means uh, for Jalen Brunson? Good question. Um, I, I'm not sure, really, what this means for him. I mean, the, the Mavericks are another team that doesn't have a lot of flexibility cap-wise. So even if they didn't, this was before they added Christian Wood. So even if they didn't uh, make this deal, 
I think signing him to a long-term deal would still be up in the air. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Mike says, depends on what offers come yeah, his way. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they can sign and trade him for Kevin Durant or something. Maybe they can. <laughs> the only thing that I could think about when you texted me this deal, because I didn't know what happened. We just got done doing a show, yeah. and I was, like, sitting down, and then I see your, your message on Twitter, and I'm like, wait, and then I see your text, and I'm like, what do you mean they traded Christian Wood? For that? Just su- for as that? Surprised. Just as This surprised. is crazy. So then I start thinking. I put my, my Kings hat on because I'm a Kings fan, and – uh that didn't work. Uh-oh. And uh, I'm like, the Kings need a four. We've all been talking about Christian Wood like all year long. Why didn't the Kings make this deal? The Kings could have offered a way better package. So what did I text you afterwards? Does this mean the Kings traded pick four? It's possible. Because the only other reason that I could think the Kings wouldn't make a deal for a guy like Christian Wood is if they planned on adding an amazing four. If that's a John Collins, if that's a Chet Holmgren, a Jabari Smith, somebody like that. What are your thoughts there? Um, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say. Like, I, I don't know if maybe the Kings didn't even want Christian Wood. Like, they're looking elsewhere. But it, it does seem to signal to me that the rumors might be – there might be more truth to these rumors about the Kings moving up to two than meets the eye. Or they're still planning on moving down to five or six or, yeah. or seven, um, something like that. So, you know, I, I think any, I anytime article. these deals happen, like, obviously teams miss out. But yeah. it's also all about, uh, you know, where where you're at with your particular franchise and what plans you've got. I saw an article today saying that the Kings were enamored, <clears throat> especially Vivek, enamored with Keegan Murray. I saw that as well. He plays the four. He does. So he could fill that. And it just brought me back to that trade that you proposed, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, where you're like, what if the Kings traded down, picked up Malcolm Malcolm Brogdon and a pick, and they're able to take Keegan Murray? That that completes the two and the four that we'd been talking about. Not that I'm a huge fan of having Malcolm Brogdon at the two, and he makes a ton of money, but it does fill two positions in each. Definitely, definitely. It, it being able to go out and get two uh, players instead of one, I mean, you'll always take that, right? Um, and there's also, I think, a lot of Kings fans are still hoping that maybe the the Kings are just set on taking Jaden Ivey as the best available player at four. Yeah. In which case, you, you're not going to make a deal for Christian Wood there. So. So we're about a week away, exactly a week away from the NBA draft, which is going to be exciting. Make sure you guys join us. We will be live for the NBA draft. Any movement you've seen in the top five, top ten of these draft picks moving up and down in mock drafts, stuff like that? I haven't seen much. Well, uh, there's there's a bunch of teams that, just like every year, you know, it seems as the draft gets closer every year, we talk about, oh, there, there might be so many trades here in the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> these teams are going to move. These teams are going to move. Sometimes it does happen, and sometimes nobody does. But I, I think you still have to look at uh, Oklahoma City, Sacramento, Indiana, and Portland, to me, are the four teams in the top 10 that are not only the most rumored to be perhaps moving around, but also makes the most sense for each each team. So uh, those are going to be the spots that, that I look for. Oklahoma City, I think they don't really have to do anything if they don't want to, um, yeah. but because they've got so many picks and they don't really have a, a direction necessarily on which way this team is going, like they have so many different options they can pick, mm-hmm. they're still a, a wild card or a question mark. But when you look at Sacramento, Indiana, and Portland, those teams are – uh, I think more desperate to try to do something for different reasons, yeah. but more desperate to try to make a move and, and pick somewhere else than where they're picking currently. The Thunder are so patient, man. They are so patient. I couldn't do it. I'd be like, give me Christian Wood. I'll, I'll give you a better offer for Christian Wood. I'll throw SGA and, and Christian Wood out there and, and still have all my draft picks and see what happens. But they, they have been incredibly patient for sure. Jeremiah says, rumors taking Ivy doesn't want to come to Sacramento. Is that going to be a factor? I mean, we talked about that a little bit, Jeremiah. For me, honestly, he's off my draft list just because of that. But I don't know if the Kings really care. 
Yeah, they, they might not. Um, they say, you don't want to play for us? Well, we got you under contract for four years. So what are you going to do? Not yeah. play for four years? Yeah. And maybe they just want to trade player, him. A player like Jaden Ivey, who's a pretty much a lock for a top five pick, um, that's serious money you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And so if, if you get drafted by a team and you, you know, sulk or hang your head because you don't want to play there, that could seriously affect your ability or your chances at a big-time contract in the next four years when Definitely. your rookie deal is up. So Definitely. The, the team still has leverage there if they take yeah. him. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, he's off my draft list, but that's just because I think the Kings need to build a culture. And we've had guys that haven't wanted to be on the team for the past two seasons. Uh, but I think it's a different situation with a rookie like this. If you're Monty, you can say, hey, Jaden, you're the best available. We're going to draft you. You don't want to be on this team? Play well enough for another team to want you, and I'll trade you. But you're mine for four years, and you can either show up or you cannot show up, and you're not going to get very many other chances. So it, it's definitely rough. Ivan says they essentially did the same with Davion. Don't know if he even knew he was coming here. I didn't hear anything from Davion in terms of like him saying he did not want to go to Sacramento. Uh, but like I said, like – a top five pick is a little bit more certain of like where you're going as opposed to like 10 or 11 or 12 or nine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, things can definitely open up a lot more there. Anything else you want to mention Calvin before we jump here into Q and a, no, I, we've covered a lot today and, and we're, we're celebrating. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we are here celebrating. If you guys have any questions, go ahead and drop them here in the chat. We'd be happy to answer them. Thank we, you guys. We made it to the end of the NBA season, baby. Yeah. Thank you guys so much Jeez. for sticking with us. Uh, Calvin and I have put a ton of content on YouTube this entire season. Uh, it's, what is this, our second official season covering the entire year? Yeah, but I, this is the first year we did all 82 games, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, plus the playoffs. So, yeah, if you guys have any questions, go ahead and drop them here in the chat, and uh, we're, we're happy to answer them. All right, guys. Well, anybody have questions, go ahead and drop them. Otherwise, we're going to head out and enjoy some beers and some pizza. I'm probably going to watch highlights from this game because <laughs> it was a lot of fun, man. It's it the last game of the season. We appreciate you guys so much for joining us. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. And like I said, we are going to be putting out a ton of fresh basketball content. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Uh, we will be here. We're not going to be live every single weekday for the entire offseason, but I think we'll finish up this week. We'll do some stuff next week, and then uh, you know we'll be doing periodic videos. We're going to be there for the draft, free agency. We're going to be doing some rebuilds, all fun stuff like that. Yeah, draft day next Thursday. Ivan says, would you do the D'Lo and Casey trade? I have... I read this in an article, too, of the fourth pick, Holmes and Holiday for 10, Denny and Kyle Kuzma. I think also Ruri was included in that deal Oh, I in the article that I read. I would definitely do it if Ruri, Ruri is included. What about without? I don't know. I, yeah. like, I like Keegan Murray better than Denny Abdia right now. So. Yeah, and, and pick four is... So much more valuable than pick 10. It really yeah. is. It really is. It, it, there's a huge difference. I don't think I'd do the deal um, because I'd be looking to flip Rashawn Holmes for something else, and then I still think you can either move up to two or or you can get something of great value from the fourth pick for sure. Yeah, and I like Kyle Kuzma, but, I, again, I, for me, I'm all in, especially for a deal like that where I'm dropping six spots in the draft. I, I need – Defensive stoppers. Yeah. And I'm not getting either, any of that in return for that deal. Yeah, and who's really available at 10, right? You're going to get maybe like Jalen Duran or Johnny Davis, Mark uh, Williams. I mean, yeah, like. th there's still picks that I think make sense for Sacramento at 10. Johnny Davis definitely being one of them, uh, a two-guard that is a really, really good shooter. But, again, wow. you know, do you, would you rather have Johnny Davis or Terrence Davis? Like, I that's a tough call. What happened to Pat Baldwin Jr. in the last couple days? Did he is he falling more? Dude, he's he's the last pick in the first round now in this mock draft. 
That's wild. That is wild. Dude, if the Kings can pick him up with pick 37 in the second round, I would lose my mind. <laughs> lose my mind. Mike says, going to do anything for the NFL season. Watch. Well, Mike, uh, I'm going to be watching <laughs> uh, football and playing fantasy football. I, I would love to have a show and talk about football. I just don't know it as well as I know basketball, so I, I would say wrong things too many times. <laughs> we can do some fun little segments. I also want to remind you all that we are sponsored by BetUs, so if you want to bet on NFL, NBA, NHL, baseball, anything, go ahead and click, click that link below. You get 125% of your first deposit available, so uh, make sure you guys click that link. And uh, make sure you share your winnings with us. What do you think of the Filipino phenom, Kai Soto? I haven't watched enough tape on him yet to, to give a, a legit answer. So uh, I'll get back to you before the draft. I've been watching a little bit of his footage. And I do like the guy. He is very unique. Uh, and he can do some pretty good things for his size. I'd be happy to snag him with one of these second-round picks. I think he, I think he's going to have a productive NBA career. Um, but, you know, with guys like that, there's always the worry of, like, is the hype too much? Because there's definitely been a lot of hype around Kai Soto, for sure. I even said the Kings had Kai in yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard the workout went pretty well, too. So I, I'd be happy to have him on the squad. But it's we got some second-round picks. We need to, We need to hit on some talent. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up the show here. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, um, but Calvin's working daytime, so it's going to be a later show. I will post it here, so make sure you guys uh, check that out. Also, don't forget to hit the notification bell on our channel, and you will get notified on your phone of every single time we post or schedule a video. Calvin, anything last you want to say about this? Uh, cheers, everybody. It was a good season. He's got I know the not a lot of people on. wanted the Warriors to win, but um, they did. So, <laughs> Warriors win. This is their fourth championship in eight seasons. Mom, I won't pick against the Warriors again, okay? <laughs> my, my mom does love the Warriors. So <laughs> she was upset that I picked Boston. That's funny. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. We appreciate you all so much. We'll see you all tomorrow, and don't forget to tip your bartender.